It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 194, The Call of the Prophet Jeremiah. John 14, 21. He who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. A few times in the Bible, we get the eyewitness glimpse of the calling of a prophet. We don't have the callings of God and those moments when God encounters the prophets and bursts their destiny in all cases. But in some cases, we have the eyewitness treasures of the testimonies of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Samuel, and Jeremiah. In their testimonies, we get a glorious compilation of God's relationship with his prophets and a composite of his identity revealed to his people. In each case, he reveals a different perspective of his heart for man. And in this account, we explore the calling of the prophet Jeremiah. Comparing the accounts of God's callings on his prophets, Jeremiah's awakening was not as supernatural as Isaiah's or Ezekiel's, but very relational, like the awakening moment for Samuel, both of them at a young age. Most accounts of the prophet Jeremiah place him at the age somewhere maybe between 6 and 12. The Bible clearly states he was but a boy. Let's consider Samuel before the Ark of the Covenant at the time of his first encounter. God comes and meets Samuel after he calls him at night. And it's that whole amazing scene of, Speak, Lord, for I am listening. And it says the Lord himself revealed himself to Samuel. And then he speaks a word um, to Samuel. But it's God who comes and and acknowledges the boy. And not just that, he calls the boy and, and reveals his identity. It's more of a a relational or a personal experience versus some wild supernatural encounter. This is kind of like what Jeremiah is going to go through. So let's say for clarity, just so we can kind of picture it and how this went down. Uh, For the sake of clarity, Jeremiah is probably 12. And he's smallest for his age. And he has the appearance and he's potentially even has the maturity of maybe a younger child, like maybe an 11 or a 10-year-old. This is when God calls him. He's not the 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. He's not super mature for his age. Jeremiah is a boy, and, and from his background, he's the son of a priest of God outside of Jerusalem. And what's cool is that Jeremiah is the son of a priest, of a remnant of priests functioning in their capacities, but it's outside of the gates of Jerusalem. So there is a rearing and a childhood that he has under a shepherding of a priest, Um, And this is where the calling of God arises for Jeremiah. 
Our historical context says Josiah is king, and this is before his revival and his great calling. Judah is still in shambles from the destruction wrought by Manasseh and Ammon. There's basically a non-existent priesthood in Jerusalem, but there appears to be quiet priests and some outside of Jerusalem where Jeremiah is being raised. And as far as we know, there are no prophets for they're all killed off. I, I read something in Josephus that, that said that Manasseh killed a prophet a day in Jerusalem. That's how bad it was. But of course, we know there's a quiet undercurrent of prophets. For God always, under the surface, if we go on the account where God told Elijah that there were 7,000 prophets that never bowed their knee to Baal, God always has a remnant. But in this case, they were in hiding. There were not public figures of prophets um, until very soon. And maybe they were just not called of God yet. The godly heritage was coming back to the surface in the land, and godly men and women were rising at a multiplied rate. And this is the generation of Jeremiah. There's a whole lot of prophets rising to the surface. There's even a um, very redemptive king, Josiah, on the way. And this is because of the persecution effect. When horrible times of persecution come and even ages of martyrs occur, there's a multiplication in the next generation where justice returns. And for every martyr there is killed, many more prophets rise up in the next generation. The same goes for the priesthood. The same goes all through history, where the blood of the martyrs becomes the seeds of new churches and entire communities of believers. Now, on a political front, Assyria still ruled their land and most likely forced Josiah to pay taxes to them. They probably even overlorded over them, came and took whatever they wanted, you know, anywhere from enslaving the people to destroying entire cities or demanding gold at any time. As for the physical setting of Jeremiah's calling, we don't have one yet, but we know that Jeremiah's dialogue with God. We do know Jeremiah was a boy, so let's say he was in his bedroom or in a public park in a beautiful place, or let's just do this. He was in his school, kind of a, a school grounds of sorts in a form of recess. And instead of playing with his friends, he walks off into a beautiful clearing. And there, right there, is where he encounters God. Instead of playing with the boys, he walked over to a clearing and has an experience. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah, opening his ears at a very young age. And notice how the Lord is sensitive to his age and purposes. He patiently answers the boy and even gives him destiny words about his future. Here we go. Jeremiah 1, 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and said, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I anoint you, I appoint you, over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Young Jeremiah, in a place unknown, let's say the equivalent of the school grounds, 
has a conversation with God himself in an open vision of sorts. Maybe it was a trance and he had no idea how it was going down. We don't know. The dialogue is worthy of an hour or more sermon. It's amazing. God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What? That's incredible. The Lord above time and space knows this and had this kind of foresight and apparently was so thrilled to meet with this boy that he wanted for ages for this moment to come to just to have the dialogue with him. Does God really love us this much that he would wait thousands of years for a moment to meet someone? Jeremiah questions God's wisdom due to his age. The Lord's response was to basically rebuke his fear and then declare these crazy words. I am with you and will rescue you. Further, he touched his lips and sanctified them. Then the outrageous words came. I put my words into your mouth. Amazing. Then he says, I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah, as a boy, was just given authority over nations and kingdoms. God knew him forever and looked forward to his birth. And that's what's really getting me on this. It's it's incredible. Above his authority over nations, one can wonder what this truly means. It's prophetic in nature that he would have authority over nations, but... No way would a boy be given this power yet. I mean, it has to be prophetic that that he's these words he's receiving. We'll find Jeremiah's words will impact the entirety of nations and the known world in this region. So the word will be fulfilled and the authority will come in time. So we'll finish the episode with the powerful introductory words again. Um, no worries, I'm kind of messed up by them. It's that, that thought that God so looked forward to Jeremiah that he knew him from the beginnings of the age. It, that's just overwhelming. So not to skip a beat, the Lord begins the training of Jeremiah immediately. He starts incredibly simple, yet immediately he dives right in. Jeremiah 1, 11. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Within the presumed vision experience, the Lord confirms how he speaks to Jeremiah, and he declares, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. In the land where he grew up, there was almond trees. And this is what Jeremiah knew, and this is how the Lord begins his training with Jeremiah. The training continues, and this is where assignments are immediately given to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.13. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, From the north disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. 
Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Doesn't this remind you of Samuel? Speak, Lord, for I am listening. God confirms his will and an identity, and immediately a horrifying word comes that must be spoken. Jeremiah now receives his marching orders to speak of impending destruction for Judah. Jeremiah the prophet, for the next five or more kings in Judah, will be the signpost for all to see the Lord's will, if only they would follow him. Jeremiah the prophet doesn't spoil us much further with his personal dialogues with God, but goes straight into his prophecies. A judgment prophet Jeremiah will become, but he will also be a sign, a steadfast sign put by God himself, immovable, constantly pointing in God's direction and his will. Need direction, counsel, God's will, look to Jeremiah. When the nations are stirring, when conflict was coming, he would provide wisdom. When evil lurked and foolish kings ruled, he remained steadfast until the very end, fulfilling his calling and purpose. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, I can't help but be amazed by something. It's those first words of God to the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I'm stalled on these words and the power of them. It's not the you know, okay, so the powerful aspect that God is above time and space is wonderful, but there's something else that's got me this time. It's it's the fact that he already knew Jeremiah and even looked forward, and maybe this is just me kind of putting this in a perspective that I understand. He looked forward in time to their relationship in this moment. It messes with me. Does it you? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. To consider this thought further, that God looked forward to the date and time when he had set aside to meet with Jeremiah, of the billions of people that would walk the earth and have measures of communion with God, of the billions of personality types, God looked forward to the day of the creation of Jeremiah, when he would speak to him and have a relationship with him. This thought has me a little messed up to consider that, of course, we... God is way beyond our capacity, and he has the capacity to look forward to to everyone to come alive, to have a relationship with them. His capacity for relationship is over a trillionth of ours, if if we just if, if that helps us to give a number to it. Um it, it's probably way beyond that. But um, we we need to remove our perspective and consider this and try to look at it from his perspective that he looks forward to the birth of every one of us in the days of relationship with us. He formed Jeremiah, and he had desires to commune with him and looked forward to the days of relationship with him. What does that mean to you and me, though? Let's reword this to the calling of a man or woman of God. And let's remember, like, he is a prophet in the Old Testament, but we are in the New Testament. There's in the Old Testament, these are the guys that get overwhelmed when the Holy Spirit comes down upon them. But in the New Testament, we're the people where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. 
So let's reword this thought to the calling of a man or a woman of God in the New Testament time period of today. Before God formed you in the womb, he knew you, and he looked forward to the day that he would meet with you and commune with you, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, that your personality, your appearance, your culture, your heritage, your identity down to the smallest fibers and DNA are unique to you. Your gifts, your callings, your purpose, your identity, sound of your voice, your communication style, a soul that's entirely different than anyone else in the world, is what God desires to commune with. God is the forever exhorter who desires to have an intimate relationship with you and all of his creation. He knew you before you were born and desires you and you and your heart. The heart of God yearns for relationship with you and to share his love with his creation. Before you were born, God knew you. God has already known you and desires to have a relationship and conversation with you. You. He desires most of all for you to call him his friend. And let's not waste time with our petty fears and concerns and our doubt. God's greatest desire is to know you and to be known by you, for you to fall in love with God and for him to pour his heart out into yours and through you. Upon this foundational principle, we discover our true purpose and identity and reason for life. Invite him in today with the heartfelt conversation. Be honest like Jeremiah. Express your concerns, but he will answer you quickly. Conversation with God is always two ways. Determine yourself to have a relationship with God and to talk to him, to listen and commune with God, who already knows you and desires most of all that open door to speak with you and to talk to you and have a relationship with you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.